wait a second, what's that guy doing up there? I'm not Pastor Allen. Uh, my name's Justin, like I just said, but I have a little story I want to tell you. After church one Sunday, there was a little boy, and he came up to his pastor, and uh, he said, Pastor, Pastor, he's trying to get attention. So he grabbed his hand. He said, Pastor, um, when I get older, I'm going to give you $100. And the little boy thought that was just so great. He's going to give him a lot of money. And the pastor says, well, thank you so much, son. I mean, why, why are you going to give me $100? He says, well, I feel bad. He says, the pastor says, why, why do you feel bad? And, and the boy says, well, my dad says, you're the poorest preacher we've ever had. <laughs> so my goal this morning is to either get really rich or do really well. So I'm hoping either you think I'm poor or that we have a good time honoring God with the word today. So um, let's, let's shoot for one or the other, okay? Um, I'd like to pray for us as we get started. I know we just prayed, but um, there's never a wrong time to pray. So let's pray and ask God to honor the reading of his word. God, we thank you for loving us. God, I pray that as we open our Bible, that we, as we open our hearts and our ears, that you will be honored and glorified, that uh, you will give me the words to say that they will be your words and not mine. Bless us today. Um, we ask you to just be in this place with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, uh, this, this week is the final week of our series called Building Strong Families. And we've been going through these things called God's Top Ten List. You may have heard it called the Ten Commandments. So we're calling it God's Top Ten List, the David Letterman style of preaching. Um, so in our Top Ten List, we started off with a thing called putting God first. And our key statement was, put God first where I want to succeed, and he will provide all that I need. Um, you could, Al Sharpton couldn't write it as good as that, okay? Um, but that is that commandment where we say, look, God, God deserves to be number one, and we want to put him there and honor him that way. So put God first where I want to succeed, and he will provide what I need. Next, we talked about truth builds trust, and how relationships are built on that trust. And we can trust God and have a good relationship with him, because we know he's always going to bring us the truth. And our relationships with each other will always go well, and there will be trust involved as long as we have integrity and honesty in them. Then we have learn to admire without having to acquire. I just want to yell amen and dance a little bit after a rhyme like that one. Learn to admire without having to acquire. Now it's talking about wanting what we have and not um, having what we want. And, and, and being content with what God has given us. So uh, we talked about coveting and contentment. And this week we're talking about keeping God first. Our first week was putting God first, and our last week is keeping God first. It's keeping him there. Now, what does that mean to keep God first? I don't, I don't see how we put him there and how we don't knock God off a pedestal or anything like that, but sometimes we go through our lives, maybe we get really busy, or maybe a big circumstance happens, and we forget that mentality of, God, you're, you're the most important thing in my life, and I need to keep you there. So I want to jump right into our Bible. So if you look at your bulletin, you can take out your teaching notes. And on the back will be our first thing this morning, which is Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 8. Verse 8 says, Do not make an idol for yourself in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Now, in our modern day, um, you won't really drive down a street in Smithsburg or Hagerstown or wherever you live and see a lot of figurines or idols or Buddhas or um, Madonnas or what have you. We don't see a lot of that because it's not a big part of our culture. So we think, 
well, Justin, it says not to make, make an idol in, in some sort of shape. But idolatry today is different than what idolatry was in Deuteronomy chapter 5, but it's the same heart problem. Idolatry is something that we make ultimate that was good. Idolatry is making a good thing the ultimate thing. We're going to talk a lot about good things today, but we're going to talk about the ultimate thing as well. Making a good thing the ultimate thing. So it says, don't make an idol in the shape of anything. And that includes in our hearts and our minds. It doesn't have to be a little statue where you bow down, get on your knees, and um, um, um. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be that. It can be anything in our lives that is supposed to be good, but made to be ultimate. There is only one ultimate in the whole universe, and that is our God. God God does not say, look, I made this tree. It's beautiful. That's the ultimate thing. No. God is the ultimate because he created it. God God said, look, I made this universe. It is good. He didn't say it was ultimate. He said it was good. Your relationships with your family members, those are good things. Those are great things. But God is the greatest and the most ultimate of those things. So idolatry is making a good thing an ultimate thing. So I want to jump right in. What are the good things? What do we make idols? First, I put up pleasure or love. Pleasure. Has anybody ever experienced a massage? Yeah. Has anybody ever invested money into a massage? I need, I need this. I just I have to have this. I'm stressed, I'm working hard, and I just need something. Pleasure, we invest in it. Love, all you need is love. Bum, all you need is love. Anybody like a Beatles fan? Come on now. All right. But we invest in pleasure and in love. What pleases us? What do we want? There's so many things. For me, Crumpy's Donuts. Oh, I heard a mmm. Uh, a glass bottle Coke. Anybody a glass bottle Coke person? I get spiritual with a glass bottle Coke, okay? Which is, one, which is exactly what we're talking about. But we all, we all desire pleasure. We all, we all want to feel good. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. All right, I'm a jukebox. You're just going to learn that, okay? Uh, but pleasure, we, we, we think that if it's a good thing, then we can have it all the time as much as we want, and that's what we should strive for. We should strive for what makes us happy. But pleasure is not something we can have all the time. You can have all the money in the world, and you can't buy your happiness. You can't buy pleasure. You're going to have aches, you're going to have pains, and you're going to have problems. And the love that we're looking for is not the love that truly fills us. It's not the love of Christ. If we're looking for the love of another person, that love will eventually run out. As much as you might say you love someone or they say they love you, they can't do it forever. They're not perfect and neither are you. So that's what we make an idol. Entertainment. Anybody love Netflix up in here? Come on now. Yeah, we can all get down with some Netflix. Um, Hulu, Amazon, whatever your, whatever your bag is. Maybe you're just a regular TV watcher, but... We love our entertainment. Video games, I'm a sports nut, okay? Crazy about sports. Um, So we love our entertainment. Entertainment is very easy to make an idol. I can't go to community groups because I have a show that I watch every single night. Or Sundays would be great, but in the fall, I tailgate for four or five hours before the Redskins or Ravens play, or whatever team, you know, you're a fan of. 
entertainment. We just, we want to, are you not entertained? We, we want to feel like we are always entertained. People get that joke, okay. Um, we make people our idols. I'm a basketball fan, so Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, I mean, that's like, that's up there. Larry Bird called himself the basketball Jesus, which is pretty awful. But from a basketball standpoint, he is pretty good. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. But people make other people their idols. We have an entire TV show based on it. American Idol. Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood, they're the only two people I know that have won it. I, don't, I, I stopped watching it a long time ago. But we have an entire TV show based on who should you worship? Whose concerts are you going to go invest your money and your time in and, and scream and cry? I don't know if you've ever watched a One Direction video, but how girls react when One Direction is going on and playing? Goodness gracious! You want to talk about an idol? Holy moly. They love their One Direction. Girls with Justin Bieber like five years ago, not anymore. But they love that guy. I, I heard a girl say recently that, I think what was his, Harry Styles, I think is his name. She says, Harry Styles is my idol. She literally said it. She made the idol and she was willing to confess it. And I thought, well, that's quite the idol to have. He's 18, he doesn't know anything. I'm 26, I don't know anything yet. So what kind of idol is that? But we make people our idols. Pride. Oh, you can't offend me, right? Sometimes our, our, our ego or our pride or I have to make a certain amount of money because then I'll feel good about myself or I have to drive a certain kind of car or I have to have a certain kind of house because then I can feel good. That materialism, that pride goes in. Money or power, the same thing. No amount of money can love you like God can love you. No amount of power can satisfy you. Caesar, Alexander the Great, uh, Genghis Khan, they were never truly happy because they didn't find their happiness in God. They just went, wanted more and more and more and more power and more power, and it never fulfilled them. They lived their whole lives wanting, desiring, and looking to fill some sort of hole that was there, and they thought if they were the most powerful person in the world that they would be happy, but they weren't. Relationships. This is a tough one that we make idols. Parents, you might make an idol out of a relationship with your children. Oh, my baby, he can, he can, never, he can never be bad. He can, he's my little prince, or she's my little princess. She's perfect. Or you live vicariously through their achievements and their success. You idolize who they are because you know that you weren't perfect and you want them to be. But they'll never be perfect. You can't idolize their relationship, husbands and wives. If you idolize and you put your spouse on this huge pedestal, they'll never, ever make it because they aren't perfect either. You idolize those relationships, and I do the same thing. There's a, there's a, a rather large group of people in America right now that have been seeking and searching for marriage, and that's just all they want. That's, they've been pushing for it for 40 years, it seems like, and now that they finally have access to it, I hate to tell them, but they're going to find out that marriage is not the ultimate relationship because it's two imperfect people. And their, their God, their goal has become their God. It has become marriage. We want to be known as married. Well, married is not the ultimate. Is marriage good? Of course. 
God gave us marriage for a man and a woman to enjoy and have children and live life together. But marriage is not the ultimate. And people are going to find that those relationships will eventually give up on them. Now, God has a glorious creation. There's one, actually, two other things I wanted to put up here that I didn't have on your, um, on your bulletin, so we didn't put it on the screen, but there's two things. Politics. We know a lot of people in D.C. that make politics their idol. Politics are the most important thing. Politics are the ultimate thing. There are a lot of upset people and a lot of happy people this week for various reasons. Politics became their God, but eventually somebody else is going to get elected and they're going to do something you don't like. And eventually those people that you do like will no longer be in office and vice versa. And those politics will change and and nothing will ever be the same. If you put your hope in those politics, you put your hope in sand that will ever, forever be moving. But if you put your hope in God, you know he's not leaving. You know he's not moving. He's a rock. He's a foundation for your life. He's not an idol because he's the ultimate thing. Politics are a good thing. All of these things are good things, except maybe pride, you know? But all of these things are good things. But we can't make them the ultimate thing. And the other one was religion. I didn't put it up here, but religion can become our idol. I've, I have suffered from that in my life, where I feel if I read my Bible enough, or I'm nice enough to people, or if I give enough money, I am a great person, and I idolize who I am and how I treat other people. That, that means nothing. My religion means nothing. God's grace means everything to me. That's the only reason I could ever be a good person is because of God's goodness in me. Because if I bury down deep into my heart, I'll find that I am wicked. So let's look at Deuteron- the next verse, Deuteronomy 5.9. You must not bow down to them or worship them because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Our lives are worship. When we, when we make good things the ultimate thing, It is worship. There's only one worthy of worship, and that is our God. We worship our spouse, we worship our children, we worship our job, our house, or our goals. What we want or what we want to become becomes the ultimate thing when God has already fulfilled everything that you need and provided everything that you are. But we still worship the idols. That's so tough to get through and get past. So how do we bow down, and what's the issue? Let's go to the next slide. So what is the issue here? Idolatry is not an issue. It is the issue of the heart. The issue is our heart. What we invest in, what we have desires for, it all boils down to, where is my heart? I need to put on these, this uh, clean lens of seeing everything through the grace of God and how much he loves us and cares about us and wants to to bless us. It's the issue of the heart. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you invest in? Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? What consumes your mind? What consumes your thoughts? What consumes your anxiety? What do you worry about? That's a, tr- that's a type of treasure. 
What do you worry about? That's where your heart is. Do you worry about money? Do you worry about jobs? Do you worry about you know, the future of your children? Those are, those are all good things to be concerned for. But if they take over and they're the number one, our hearts are not in the right place. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, our hearts are wicked and deceitful. Wicked and deceitful. We, they tell us that we want something other than God. Because we've all messed up. We're all, you know, we're not perfect, right? I'm not a perfect guy. You're not a perfect person. And so because we're not perfect, our, our hearts have been kind of messed up a little bit. And we desire things to serve ourselves. And when we serve ourselves, we put idols up in our lives. That's tough. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Um, I probably spend a little too much money on takeout food. Does anybody else buy takeout food? Chinese takeout? Anyone? Nobody? Okay. Well, I got one whistle. Okay. Um, I mentioned crumpies. I think over my lifetime, I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on pizza, Chinese food, and Coke. Not all at the same time, guys. I mean, relax. Um, but look at me. I mean, you know I've had a, 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 some, you know, Mugu Gai Pan a couple times. Maybe some General Sows over here, you know. But I, food has become an idol in my life before, and I recognize that. And I don't accept that. I recognize it, but I don't accept it. Because if I accept it, I'm just going to let it continue. What am I investing in? Am, am I spending hundreds of dollars every month on this? Or am I investing all my time on this? If you spend hours and hours and hours on something, that's something that you treasure. That's something that you invest in. So if you invest in your, your worship of God through loving your family members properly, that's awesome. But if you invest 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week or 30 hours a week in Netflix and ignoring the problems that are going on in your life, where is your treasure? And pleasure and entertainment. Where is that treasure? That's where your heart is. Your heart is going to serve somebody. It's going to serve God or yourself. God, our heart tells us that our treasure is with something other than him. So, talked about good things. So what is so bad about, you can insert good thing here. What's so bad about food? Nothing. Food is awesome, right? Come on now. I got one. Can somebody say yes? yes. Amen. All right. Food is awesome. We're going to have pulled pork, mac and cheese, and fries at lunch today. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're getting spiritual up in here. All right. But food is great. Being married is great. Being a dad is tiring. Oh, I'm sorry. Great. I love it. They're great things. They're so good. But are they the most important? Will they fulfill me to no, to no end? No. As much as it breaks people's hearts, people pass away. Relationships break. Food will rot. And you'll need more and more. Even breathing is not the ultimate thing because God cares about me whether I'm breathing or not. God wants us to enjoy life and enjoy his creation. 
wow, you get to go on vacation, and you say, man, if, if your goal is to, you know, go on vacation and have a great retirement, or maybe enjoy this or enjoy that, when you get home from that vacation, if that was the ultimate thing, if spending whatever I want to spend and enjoying what I want, if that was the ultimate thing, when you get home, what a letdown, Right? What a letdown. That was the best week of my life. And now I'm back to living like this. If that is the ultimate in your life, you have so much more to tap into. And that doesn't mean going on vacation for the rest of your life. Because the money's going to run out. And if it's not, you need to give me a call. We're going we're gonna to hang out. The money's going to run out. Your energy is going to run out. Your body is going to break down eventually. God's grace, let's be, let's, let's be, I'm being real, God's grace and mercy never runs out. It renews, it, God's, God says, it renews every morning. It's like it's brand new. It's like you have the infinite pie to tap into for the rest of the day. And the next day, it's still infinite. It just keeps going. God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. I want what's best for you. Remember that I am the ultimate one and I have given you good things. Enjoy them, but don't make them the ultimate. Where is our heart? And that's what we're, our treasure is where our heart is. So make your treasure Christ and put your heart in Christ. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, this still means something. If you don't follow Christ, this still means something because you can recognize that relationships and food and pleasure and trips and money and power, you know just as well as I do that so much of something is not going to fill you up. Now, if you're looking for something, I have a great guy that you'd like to meet. His name is Jesus, and he will love you and fulfill you and give you an incredible amount of grace, and he will change your heart so that you will love other people better as well. So what's so bad about good things? Nothing. As long as you don't make it the ultimate thing. Next we have, we let our goals become our gods. We let our goals become our gods. You and I have been given an opportunity to live a full and complete life in Christ. In Christ. When we let our goals become our gods, when we get to the goal, we think, oh man, that was it? You work your whole life and you save millions of dollars in that retirement fund and that IRA is looking pretty good and you've got this long three-month trip through Europe and you, and you finish that trip and you start to settle into retirement and you think, well, I guess that's it. That doesn't seem so great to me. I don't want to work 40 years of my life just to get to, well, I, I guess that's it. It's five o'clock, let's go to bed. That's not living. We had dinner at 3.30, you know, had our dessert. No. When our goals become our gods, they let us down. I recognize that I'm a big guy. I don't accept it, but I, I recognize it. I'm a big guy. Now, if I, could, if I had a goal of losing 100 pounds, and my wife is about to go, woo, um, if I had a goal of losing 100 pounds, when I lost that 100... I might look different and feel different, but I wouldn't be different. 
It wouldn't change me as a person. I could be 100 pounds lighter tomorrow, and sure, I might go run a little bit more, but I'm still Justin. But if God becomes my God and I lose 100 pounds, I say, God, you are so good to me. You want me to be healthy and happy, and you want me to be able to play with my children for a long time, and you've given me this incredible gift of life and health and joy. Thank you. And I recognize that that weight loss was not the goal, that loving God and being used by him was the goal. And so now I can be better at that. And that, that doesn't stop. That, that, that renews every morning along with God's grace and mercy. It doesn't stop where I, oh, I finally reached the point where I get to be. Following Jesus means, man, I, I'm so excited. I reached my goal today and tomorrow God's gonna give me another goal of lo- loving people like he loves me. Tomorrow, I get to love people like he loves me. We're going to have a little video here about that feeling of, this is it? Of making our goals our gods? So um, this guy, I'm a big fan of his. Um, At the end of the video, you'll notice that he feels empty and deflated. And I don't say deflated as a joke because it's Tom Brady. But, uh, which he didn't do anything wrong. But um, he didn't, okay? (laughs) But look at his eyes and listen to his words. And think about someone who has everything, feels like they have nothing. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, and he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. (laughs) It's what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. What else is there to say? Three Super Bowl rings. $60 million. The face of the NFL for years, along with some other guys. The most popular sports athlete where I'm from for 50 years, since Ted Williams. Nobody could ever reach the heights of Tom Brady. And yet, 
Did you, did you look at them? Did you listen to them? It's got to be more than this. He's at the pinnacle. He's been to six Super Bowls, won four, set records, made hundreds of millions of dollars in advertisements and contract money. And he feels so empty. He says, man, it's got to be more than this. His goal became his God. He says, okay, I'll be happy if I win that Super Bowl. Then I'll know I'll be, I'll be happy. And after he wins it, well, I have to win again. And I've got, yeah, that's, that's, this is the greatest feeling in the world. You ever heard somebody say that? The greatest feeling in the world. Then how do they feel the next day? This, this is it? After last night, Monday morning in the Super Bowl, ah, yeah, I won. But what else was there to do for that day? What was the goal? That was his God. I can't imagine having everything and feeling so empty and, and feeling like I have nothing. I think he recognizes that he's blessed and has, has very fortunate, but you can tell he's, he's not content. His goal became his God, and he thought, everything that's down here on earth is what can make me happy. But we're going to see that that's not the case. So we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3. If you look on your bulletin. So you have been raised with the Messiah. Seek what is above where the Messiah is. Who's the Messiah? That's Jesus. So you've been raised with Christ. You've been given new life in Jesus. So set your minds on what is above, not what is on the earth. Set your minds. You need to completely rewire and refocus and say, look, all of these things here are good things, but if I set my mind on the ultimate thing and think, God, because you love me and because you've given me so many great things, I need to worship you and recognize that only my relationship with you is ultimate. Because you're not going to let me down because you made promises to me that you would love me and that all things would work for my good and your glory. Set your minds. And we go on in verse 5 and it says, okay, when you set your minds, that means you've got to get rid of some other things. So first, we have to get rid of sexual immorality. It doesn't say not just to get rid of it. It says, therefore, put to death. There's this old preacher, and he said, kill sin or sin will be killing you. Kill sin or sin will be killing you. Put to death. That means to kill it. Kill what belongs to your worldly nature, who you used to be, the person that used to make the good thing the ultimate thing. What do you need to get rid of? Sexual immorality. That is any sexual activity outside the marriage of a man and a woman. Impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. Which is, what's the word? Idolatry. And that ties it all together. What does someone who makes the goal their God, what does someone who thinks the good thing is the ultimate thing? They are practicing idolatry. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. Greed has a lot to do with time and money. Is there anything wrong with time and money? No. Evil desire, is there, any, is there anything wrong with having relationships with people? No, but we have evil desires for them, we want to see them fail. That's wrong. Uh, lust, uh, desiring other people, lusting for things or people. Uh, nothing wrong with having relationships or wanting nice things, but when it turns into the ultimate thing, it becomes wrong. Impurity and sexual immorality. Is there anything wrong with sex? No, God made it, loves it, thinks we should do it, as long as we're married under his covenant. So 
Those are bad things, but those are people making good things, ultimate things. Because I feel this way right now, I'm going to serve myself. And we go on to verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And whatever you do. That doesn't mean on Sundays I get to be a Jesus follower, and then on Mondays I go back to being a jerk. Or I go back to really pursuing that retirement fund. Or I go back to really um, making, finding a new job, in my case, the most important thing in the world. Or I go to whatever. Or I, you know, I worship God and I don't eat too much on Sunday, but I go right right back to being a glutton on Monday morning. And I just have to have that Dunkin' Donuts and that coffee. And I have to have that Coca-Cola. I have to have that eighth piece of pizza. Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. (laughs) It's, it's, so, it's so cheap at Little Caesars, you know? You, just, you get going and you look down and there's seven pieces gone. You're like, well, I might as well finish what I started. And what, but if, I, if I'm doing everything in the name of the Lord and I give thanks to God, it's hard to be bad when you're thanking Jesus for it, right? It's hard to do something. If you look at your mom and your mom said, don't touch that cookie jar. And you say, mom, thank you so much for, for making cookies. I just love that you made them. It's hard to thank your mom for that while you're, while you're disobeying her. It's the same thing with God. It's hard to say, God, thank you so much. Thank you for loving me and just giving me so many blessings. And then doing what we want, making the good thing, the ultimate thing. We're never going to feel complete if our hope and love is in anything but God and his grace. So where do we go from here? We identify what we misuse, and we learn to love it properly. That's pretty simple, right? We identify what is, what is what am I making ultimate when it should be good, and we, we learn to love it properly. I cannot love my wife properly if I make her the ultimate thing in my life, because she can never make that standard, and I couldn't make that standard for her. Is she perfect? No. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. And she'll tell me about it. But identify what we misuse and we learn to love it properly. I can love a Coca-Cola, right? But I can also misuse a Coca-Cola. I can love my kid, but I can also misuse my love with that kid and try to serve myself. So what do we need to do if this is the case? it might mean that we need to fast from what we love too much. Love too much. We want the best for that thing, but it's not in the right place. You can't love God too much, but you can love other things too much. So sometimes we might need to take a break. God, God, Jesus tells us that we are too fast. Not like, hey, if you decide that fasting is kind of a thing that you'd like to be a part of, like, that's really cool, and when you do that, you know, if you decide to do that, I mean, no. Actually, when, when we're Christ followers, Jesus says, when you fast, and that means to take a break from something and to focus on God. So, like on Tuesdays, sometimes I just won't eat today. Tuesdays are kind of like that day for me. So I won't eat on like a Tuesday because food's a big deal for me. Like, I've misused food a lot in my life. Like, a lot. And I... It, it becomes so important where I don't live my day thinking, man, God, you're so good. I'm just, 
I'm, I'm going to do my best for you. I think of my day as in, huh, how long until lunch or how long until dinner? Because that's when I can make myself feel better with food. I don't love my food properly. I don't think, God, you, man, you're so great to, to bless me with this food. I'm so grateful for it. I might pray that before I, before I eat, but that, do I mean it? What have I been thinking about the last four hours? Hmm, I brought chicken and salad today for lunch. Oh, man. I got 85 cents to go to the soda machine. I get a Coke. Ah, yeah. And that's what I'm thinking about, and it just gets me through my day. That's not going to get me through my day. God's going to get you through your day. So we might need to take a break. Where do we go from here? We remember that we're living a life of worship. Everything that you do is an act of worship. You're either going to worship yourself, God, or your idols. So we have to decide who is worthy of it. Who's worthy of that worship? And you and I both know that God's the only one worthy of worship. We're not worthy of it because we're not perfect, and neither are our idols. And the, the last par- part, I know you're like, yes, he said the last part. Yes. <laughs> Begin to find our joy first in the grace of God. God wants you to enjoy life. It's so much fun to get to live and breathe and feel. He wants you to have joy. But first, we have that joy in God's grace. Because Jesus loves me, this I know. I can live my life with peace. And I don't have to make the good thing the ultimate thing because the ultimate thing has given me good things. And that's God. And then my favorite quote of all quotes, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I can't get no satisfaction. Rolling Stones, anyone? Okay, all right. I, already, I did the Beatles, I did Rolling Stones. Next thing I'll be doing Wiz Khalifa or something like that. But God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Where do you find your satisfaction? Are you satisfied in the goodness of God or are you satisfied in something else? And if you're satisfied in something else, that satisfaction will run out. Because the stones told us so. I can't get no satisfaction. You won't be satisfied to be married. You won't be satisfied to be a parent. You won't be satisfied to have a great bank account. You won't be satisfied to finally get to retirement. You won't be satisfied to be entertained all day long. But God can satisfy you. There's a hole that's only He can fill. We call that a God-sized hole in our hearts. He can fill that hole. So, all right, Justin, you talked a lot about that. What does that mean to trust or you know, put our hope in Christ? That means everything that you are and everything that you do, you recognize and accept that God has given it to you. He's given you a chance at salvation and eternal life and a hope for a future. I'm so excited to have been to have chatted with you this morning and my hope for you and my hope for myself is that I reevaluate what's what what do I think is good and what do I think is ultimate? 
How do I fix that? God's not just good. God's not just great. He's ultimate. Everything else doesn't measure up. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your, your love and your compassion. God, Jesus, um, Jesus died for us because you love us and you sent him to die for us. So we just, we thank you that you gave us something to worship and something to have an ultimate hope in. God, I pray that we will keep that hope you and that we won't make that hope something else. Thank you for goals. Thank you for your creation. I pray that we will enjoy it. Bless our time as we worship in Jesus' name.